Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. I want to share with you today that absolutely the Lord gave to me, just blessed me with several years ago, many years ago, and I just want to kind of bring it to you today from my heart to your heart because I feel that a lot of people need to hear what I'm about to talk about. From the book of Jeremiah, the Bible says, the Lord spoke his word to me saying, before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Listen to these words. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Then I said, but Lord God, I don't know how to speak. Watch what he said. I am only a boy. I'm only a youth. But the Lord said to him, don't say I am only a boy. You must go everywhere I send you and you must say everything I tell you to say. Don't be afraid of anyone because I am with you to protect you, says the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and he said to me, See, I'm putting my words in your mouth. Today, I have put you in charge of nations and kingdoms. You will pull up and tear down, destroy and overthrow and build up and plant. My subject today, just just for a little while, and then we're going to dedicate some beautiful children. My subject today is simply three deadly words. Three deadly words. I trust that when I get through today, you can walk out of here and whip a bear with a switch. That's my wish today. I want you to walk out of here with something in your heart. My mom used to say in your gizzard, something in you that this absolutely will spur you on to a great future in your life. Turn to somebody and say, I want to help the pastor. And you may be seated. God love you. I love you very, very much. Amen. I'd like to tell you a story of two children. The parents of the first child were somewhat mismatched. His father was unemployed with no formal schooling and his mom was a teacher. And this child who grew up in Port Huron, Michigan was estimated to have an IQ of 81. He was withdrawn from school after three months and was considered backwards by school officials. The child enrolled in school two years late due to a scarlet fever and respiratory infections. He was also going deaf. His emotional health, health was poor. He was stubborn. He was aloof. He showed very little emotion. He was, like, he was like a stoic. He liked mechanics. He also liked to play with fire. <laughs> and he burned his dad's barn down one day. But he showed some manual dexterity but used very, very poor grammar. He did, he did want to be a scientist or a railroad mechanic one day. That was his wish. The second child showed not much more promise either. This child was born of an alcoholic father. And as a child, she was sickly and bedridden and often hospitalized, and she was considered erratic, withdrawn. She would bite her nails and had numerous phobias. She wore a back brace from a spinal defect and would constantly seek attention. She was a daydreamer with no vocational goals, and although she expressed a desire to help the elderly and the poor. Who were these kids? Who were these children? The boy from Michigan was named Thomas Edison. He did a thousand and ninety three patents in his life and the awkward sickly young girl became a champion of the oppressed her name was Eleanor Roosevelt would you have voted them most likely to succeed in your class probably not you'd have said they just don't have it they don't have what it takes 
Geologists tell us that only 3% of the earth's fresh water is on the surface in the form of rivers and lakes. And the other 97% remains as a huge subterranean reservoir down below. The potential folks of human personality are much the same. Only 3% on the surface and there's 97% below the surface begging to get out in this untapped reservoir that's in us. How do we tap the infinite unseen? How do we bring to the surface the powers and the possibilities the creator has placed within us? Norman Vincent Peale was one of my favorite writers and he wrote that once while walking through the twisted little streets of Kowloon in Hong Kong, he came upon a tattoo studio and in the window were displayed samples of tattoos that were available like on your chest or arms you could have tattooed an anchor or a flag or a mermaid if you wanted one. But what struck him with force were three words that could be tattooed on one's flesh. It was simply said, born to lose, born to lose. So he entered the shop with astonishment and pointing to those words, he asked the Chinese artist, does anyone really have a, the terrible phrase, born to lose, tattooed on their body? And the Chinese artist said, yes, sometimes. But Peel said, I can't believe it, that anyone in his right mind would want to do that, born to lose. The Chinese man simply tapped his forehead in broken English. He said before, tattoo on body, tattoo on the mind. One thing we can do is to rid our vocabulary, folks, of three deadly words. Can I preach a little bit today? Can I talk to you a little? They were the words spoken by a young man long ago by the name of Jeremiah. And the pastor that's in this pulpit today spoke those words also many years ago. God came to him and said, before I formed you, In the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. I knew you. I set you apart. You were appointed. I knew you. I set you apart and you were appointed. But Lord, I don't know how to speak. And then Jeremiah spoke these three little words that many of us are still speaking today when he said, I am Only, I am only, three deadly words. And he said, I am only a boy. We call it, I am only a youth. I'm just a kid. Jeremiah would become one of the greatest prophets that God called. But first of all, God had to deal with these three deadly words. The Bible said there is power, there's power in your speech. There's power in the tongue. Power to give life and power to give death. You speak life or you speak death. There's two trees in the garden of Eden. There's the tree of life. There's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Life either comes out of your mouth or death comes out of your mouth. But I want to declare to some congregational people here today, no matter where you've come from, no matter what your background has been, your environment or how you were born, you're not only anybody. You are a somebody in the kingdom of God. And you matter. God knew you, amen, God's appointed you, and he set you apart for something special in your life. I love the story of David. He was one young man, that that statement, just a youth, he didn't read read the memo on that, and he didn't get the memo. Some of the young people need not read the memo of your youth. It was said of David, you're just a boy, you're just a youth. And about Goliath, who is going to fight, he's a man of war from his youth. It's time for this pastor to preach to some young people in this house today. 
Because I want to tell you, it doesn't take 25 or 30 years to figure out your journey. The magic years of the start being used of God. Josiah, a king, was prophesied about 350 years before he was ever born. And at eight years old, he began to reign. David was under 20 and Samuel was just a lad in the house of God. I want every young person, every college kid, every high school kid, every junior high kid, every elementary kid, and if you are a two-year-old grandson like I have that gets my phone and operates it better than me, and a three-year-old granddaughter that FaceTimes me all the time and said, I got to go, boy, I got to FaceTime other people. I'm telling you, there is something special happening in our world. We are creatures of the living God, and we matter, we matter, we matter, we matter, we matter. Say amen to that. People have a way of deflecting and undermining the way God feels about his kids. Many, many others are limited by those three words, I am only. So if God came to some people in this room today, someone would say, but Lord, I am only, and they'd, they'd close like this, I'm only a senior citizen. I met Harlan Sanders one day, believe it or not, at a church convention in the bathroom. And I said, are you the colonel? He said, finger licking good. I loved him. He had his white suit on, his white tie. He had his white beard, white hair. I said, you look just like him. He said, because I'm him. He said, as soon as I wash my hands, I'll shake your hand, young man. And he washed his hand. He said, now you've shaken the hand. I said, man, I've eaten a lot of your chicken. He said, keep on eating, son, because it's good. You know how old he was when he invented Kentucky Fried Chicken? 66 years old. I read a story out of Wall Street Journal. I read a story about a, about a lawyer up in, uh, up in New York named Harry Lipsick. He's a neat old man. He formed this firm and he, and he, and he built it from the ground up. And, 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 and before you know it, he had this firm running great and he, and he got old. He got to be 88 years old. And they said, Harry, you might ought to retire. So they pushed him out of retirement, made him retire. And he didn't want to retire. So he goes across town, starts another law firm, his own. And, and he, he decided to try his first case. He hadn't done cases in a long time. They'd put him back to do research and all that and kind of the head of the law firm. And so he goes over and his first case was... A lady was suing New York City because a drunken police, uh, uh, police officer had run over her husband and killed her 71-year-old husband. And she argued that the city had deprived her of her husband's future earning potential. And the city argued that at age 71, he had little earning potential. And they thought they had a pretty clever defense until they realized who they were up against as her lawyer. He was 88 years old. <laughs> And he came down on them and they said, you know what, we don't think we'll even go to court. We'll just settle out of court with you. And she got a huge sum because they didn't want to go against an 88-year-old, I am only a senior citizen. Some of you people, some of you people, some of you older people are the sweetest things that God ever let live in this world. You're like Georgia peaches. You know what I'm saying? You're like, you're like, you're like apples from Washington. You're the most awesome thing in all the world. And we celebrate you, salute you today. Thank you for being who you are. You're not an only, you are a somebody. Someone might else answer, but Lord, I'm only a woman. <laughs> I'm not a chauvinist. You may have heard the story about three men walking down a beach. They came up on this little old lamp, and it was buried in the sand, so they got out and dusted it off, and they uh, saw this little genie pop out, and that's a story. Don't, don't take it home and say, Pastor told this neat story, and it's true. It's just a story. And, and, and she said, I'll grant you all a wish if you just, because you, you let me out of this lamp. And one of them said, well, I want to be ten times smarter. She said, poof, you're ten times smarter. Next guy said, well, 
I want to be a hundred times smarter. She said, poof, you're a hundred times smarter. The third guy said, well, I want to be a thousand times smarter. She said, poof, you're now a woman. (laughs) Punch your husband. I hope there's no one in this church who still believes that women cannot compete with men in this world. I've always said that women are smarter. In fact, in fact, the two highest IQs ever recorded on the standard test both belong to women. And I think one of them was my wife. I believe that. It's not intelligence or ability or competence that held some women back. It's those three deadly words, I am only. One little girl prayed earnestly one day, said, Dear God, the little boys really are really boy, little boys really better than little girls. She said, after a brief pause, as if waiting for an answer, she said, I know you are one of them, but can you be fair with me? You may have heard about the man and the woman that were chatting one day, and she said, Yes, I'm the kind of woman who spends a lot of time talking to my plants. And he thought, Oh God, I got this on my hands. She said, Let's see, my computer plant in Chicago <laughs> or my textile plant in North Carolina. He walked away. Every child in this world, male, female, black, white, yellow, brown, red, should grow up believing two things about themselves. Number one, God made you. And number two, you are loved by that God. Everybody say, God made me. And I'm loved by that God. We live in a world that has depreciated the value of what we are in this life. I will declare to you, and I'm going to say it loud and clear. You were made by the Almighty. He made you, and He doesn't make junk. You hear me? He does not make junk. He makes mighty. He makes awesome. He makes wonderful. And number two, He loves you. Come on, clap your hands. He loves you. I have a dear pastor friend. That's the loudest I'm going to get. I have a dear pastor friend in, uh, in, in Quincy, Illinois, that is just a sharp guy. He's real sharp. And, and they had a little boy, and all of a sudden his wife had some complications, and they wanted some more children. And they'd always wanted an Asian child in their home. So he called me one day, and he said, I want you to pray for me, Rex. He said, I, I, my wife and I, Jerry, said, we want, a, we want an Asian child. So I started praying. In fact, we prayed on the phone together. He's a dear friend of mine. And, and it wasn't hardly any time until there was a child that had, that had been born in Fuzhou, China, way on the other side. You can find it on the globe, way on the other side of the world. And, and they were called, and the adoption agency they'd been working with said, if you're willing to spend the money and go around the world, halfway around the world, I think they'll, they're going to let you adopt this child. So they checked it with the, with the government, the Chinese government. But here's the point. That little baby was found at a roadside park in a pillowcase with a couple of sweaters around it and laying on a sweater. So there was lying still in the area and she probably could have been eaten, but God spared that baby. God spared that child in Fuzhou, China because he, he knew that there was a spirit-filled preacher coming halfway around the world to try to rescue that baby and he wouldn't let the lions eat him. He kept the lions away from Daniel. He can keep a lion away from a baby, amen? And so they, they, come, they come to that town, they come to that city, a large city in China, and they get put up in the hotel and they spent $25,000 and flew 10,000 miles around the world. And they walk out on their hotel balcony and they see the adoption agency right across the street. And he says, he prays his prayer, said, tomorrow you will be mine. You'll be mine. I haven't seen you yet. I don't know what you look like yet, but I know you're going to be beautiful. You're going to be awesome. And you're going to be mine. 
And so the next morning, they go across the street to the Dobson age. He said, the first time I saw her, he said, I started weeping. My wife started weeping and said, both of us wanted to hold her. So we're trying to pull her apart, trying to hold her at the same time. And he said, I've come halfway around the world, baby, to tell you two things. Jesus died for you. And this dad and this mom love you. That's about the best I can preach here this morning, folks. That's about as good as it gets. You've walked in this house. You feel like you're only. You're just only a sinner. You're only a loser. You're only this. You're not only anybody. You are somebody. You are a somebody. You matter in the kingdom of God. And when you walk in here, there's two things I've got to tell you. Jesus died for you. And this preacher loves you today. And he wants you to be saved. And he wants you to go to heaven. And he wants you to do right. And he wants you to understand you are special in the kingdom of God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Let's get rid of the I am onlys. I'm only the child of an alcoholic. So what? I'm only a person with a handicapped condition. I'm only a member of a broken home. My home and life is in shambles. I'm only a high school educated person. You and I can be anything God calls us to be because we are not just onlys. We are special. I went and preached a convention in, uh, in, 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 in Mississippi, in Columbia, Mississippi, several years ago. And I had a choice. I could either stay in a hotel or I could stay with this man that was kind of one of the elders of the church and he and his wife and they had a nice home on the farm. And so I said, well, I'll just, I'll stay with them. I love people. I don't like to be in a hotel by myself. I like to talk to people. I enjoy talking. Y'all realize I like to talk. <laughs> and so, and so they put me in the, the man. And so I, the man got to talking to me and he was a, he's a very wealthy man. And, and he wrote a, he wrote a check one day for $3.5 million to pay a church off. He's a pretty nice man to the church too, you know, but he, 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 was, he, was, he was sitting there and he was talking to me. He said, you know, son, I got a fifth grade education. I said, really? He said, yeah. And I always had this, this view of life that I could never really achieve and I couldn't make it happen and I couldn't, I couldn't get there. But he said, he said, one day I realized that I have some skills. He said, I have skills. I have skills with my hands. He said, I, I, I do good road work. I do good masonry work. I'm a good, I'm a good fixer of homes. I can fix up places. And he said, I'd have to get people to bid the job for me because I didn't know how to bid a job. I didn't know how to do those kind of things. And he said, and finally one day I said, you know what? I think I can do road work. I think I can. And he said, he said, I got somebody to help me that I trusted and said he made bids for me. And I, I got jobs and said, I went out and worked myself silly. And then he stopped and he said, preacher, last year I made $34 million. He said, I want you to tell everybody, everybody you see that a fifth grade education don't have to hold you back. You just have to speak the right language to yourself. Can I preach a little bit right now? Do you mind? I want somebody in this house to start talking the right language to yourself. You with me? I want you to start saying, I can get up from where I am. I don't have to live this life. I might have been from a bad home, a bad environment, a bad upbringing, but I am somebody in the house of God. I am not only a child. I'm not only a handicapped person. I'm not only an older person. I am a child of God today. I am. In fact, when the Lord heard Jeremiah say that, when he heard him say that, he, he put his hand, he said, you, you, you need to hush a minute. You need, let me talk. He said, let me, put, let me put some words in your mouth. Let me, say, let, me, let me put some words in your mouth. I think some of us need to let God's words start coming out of our mouth. 
Let me put some of my words in your mouth. You've been talking your language long enough. You've been talking about how you can't do it long enough. Let me put some words in your mouth that says, I can do it. I can make it happen. In the fourth grade, his, his name was Teddy. And he was, a, uh, he was a loser as a kid, really. He was uh, very, very, uh, very standoffish, angry, impulsive, screamed out. Just didn't have a lot going for him. And his teacher was a woman named Thompson, and, and she's got to do a little background. And when he was in the first grade, he did well. But his mother died in the second grade. His daddy was an alcoholic, and, and he just couldn't, he couldn't achieve. He just couldn't get there. And he started turning inward. He, he became very insolent, and he, he, turned, he turned angry. In the fourth grade, she said he was on the wrong path. And she said, really, I didn't like him. She wrote, I didn't like the young boy. I wanted to fail him. She said, I love to put F's on his paper because I didn't like him. I wanted him out of my class as quick as I could get him out of my class. But Christmas time came around, and, and, and all the kids brought gifts to Mrs. Thompson. They brought gifts to her. And so he brought, in a little paper sack, he brought a half bottle of perfume, and he brought a bracelet that had some of the rhinestones missing. And he brought it up to her and he said, this was my mama's perfume and this was her bracelet. And I would appreciate if you'd wear it for me today so I could just kind of look at you with what mama used to wear. And so she sprayed herself with that perfume and she put that bracelet on and she held it up and said, don't I look nice? Don't I look nice? Don't this look nice? I look so nice with this. Teddy brought me this. And he walked up to her after everybody was gone and he was crying. He said, ma'am, you smell like my mom today. Thank you. Thank you for just doing what I wanted you to do today. And during the Christmas holiday, she had, a, she, had a, she had an epiphany. She had a moment. She had one of those moments that said, I can't treat this kid this way. He's got something in him. There's something in this boy that I, I, I see, something real, something genuine in him. And so she comes back from the Christmas holidays and she said, I'm going to start treating him as my own son. I'm going to take him in. I'm going to wrap him up. I'm going to love on him. I'm going to be special to him. And all of a sudden, his grades went from F to D to C to B to A to A+. Plus. And then within two, six weeks, he was the top of his class. And she let him go and, and said, well, I'll probably never see you again, son. But I love you and I thank you. She said, and I prayed for him that God would help him. Eight years later, he got a, she got a letter from him. He said, dear Miss Thompson, I'm graduating second in my class today. I would, I would appreciate if you'd show up for my, for my graduation. I, I, I did well. You were the reason. You turned my corner. You made me turn a corner in my life. And you're the reason. And I, I want you to know I'm doing good. She went to that graduation. Four years later, she got another letter. said, I, I graduated first in my college class, summa cum laude. Got the highest average in all the college and said, Miss Thompson, it's because of you. Four years later, he wrote her back, and he, it was signed, Dr. Theodore Stallard. He said, dear Miss Thompson, I, I've become a doctor. And said, and I'd like for you to come to my graduation and stay with us a little while because I'm getting married three days after I graduate. And I want you to come and sit in the wedding, be where my mama would sit because you're just like a mama to me. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing what God can do? So every Sunday morning and every Wednesday night, I stand in this pulpit and I declare that you are not what the world says you are. You're not what your parents said you were. You're not what somebody in school said you were. But you are what God said you are. You are special. You're chosen. You're accepted. You're appointed. And you matter in this life. My, 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 my. <laughs> what a joy. I've got great plans for you. I've got great plans for you. I've got great plans for you. In an art class, some kids were working. 
with some plasticine. It's a clay-like substance that can be used over and over because it doesn't harden. And a little girl that made a real nice model of a creature with wings with this, with this clay. And she held it up and she said to everyone, see, this is an angel. It's an angel. And there were exclamations of delight from the class and the teacher. Then the girl quickly molded the angel back into a ball and asked everyone, okay, now, what is this? And she showed the ball. And nobody could answer except, nobody could answer except to say, it's just a ball. She said, no, it's not a ball. It's an angel in hiding. You don't see him? It's an angel in hiding. And so the next day they had guests there and some of the students that had seen her work the day before said, guess what that is? That thing was still a ball. So guess what? They said, it's a ball. I said, no, it's an angel in hiding. I declare to some of you here today that there's something wants to unfold in your, in your life. Something wants to come out of you. Something special is in you. Something's mighty is inside of you. And it wants to come out and, and birth itself. And I'm trying, I'm trying to be your OBGYN today. I'm trying to make it happen. I'm trying to birth something in your spirit today. I'm trying to help you today. I'm trying to bring you to a place where you birth something that says, you know what? You know what? I matter. I matter. I matter. I matter. Somebody didn't tell me I mattered, but I mattered. Somebody told me I wouldn't make it, but I'm going to make it. Somebody told me I would fall down, but I'm going to make it. Somebody said I wouldn't get there, but I'm getting there. Wow. Randy, come and help me. Come and help me, Randy. I've got to quit. Lord, I could preach all day. An old grandpa took his, took his grandkids out to a, a horse ranch one day in Kentucky. And he, they saw a bunch of two-year-olds. And uh, so a little bit later, those two-year-olds were all, not, not all of these, but two-year-olds were in a, in a stall. And they were going to prep them, get them ready. They were trying to find the ones that would be in the three-year-old race next year in the Kentucky Derby. So he walked through those stalls, and he had those grandkids. said, I, here, here's horses here now. And he, there was about ten of them. He said, I want you to pick the one you think is going to win next year. There's two-year-olds. And, and they said, Grandpa, we can't do that. We don't know how to do that. We can't do that. And so he said, he walked down. He, he looked at all the horses. He said, this right here is going to be the winner next year. And one of his grandkids old enough said, he said Grand, Grandpa, that horse is cheap. He was talking about Cannonero the second. Said that horse. Said I believe that horse because they, they was with the grandpa did horse. Said I believe that horse was bought for twelve hundred dollars. Said that ain't that ain't no horse. He'll be last. He said no. He gonna win. I love people. I love people that defy the odds. I love it. I love people that say, you know what? You know what? Tell me I can't. And I'll show you I can. I will show you that I can do this thing called life. I can do this thing called marriage. I can do this thing called God. I can do this. I can do this thing. I can live for God. The next year that horse won. And they said, Grandpa, how'd you know? He said it wasn't the price tag. And wanted what everybody thought how much he was worth. He said, I saw something in his eyes. He looked like an eagle out of his eyes. He said he had a look that said, I can do this. 
And every Sunday and every Wednesday, I look at people that have the look in their eye that say, Pastor, if you'll just nudge us a little further this week, I believe I can do this thing. I believe I can make this happen. I believe I can win. I believe I can score. I believe I can cross the line. I believe I can shoot the hoop. I think I can make the play. I think I can do it, Pastor. And you are. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. I was preaching a revival as a young kid. I told you I couldn't find a text with a search warrant when I was a kid. I couldn't find I couldn't find anything to preach. One time I just preached, Jesus loves you. And I'm happy about that. That's all I preached. That was horrible. That was pitiful. And a pastor came in Louisiana, put his arm around me and said, son, let me give you a hint. Let me, let me give you some good advice. Go home and get another profession. This is not what you're called to do. It, you know, it broke my heart then, but it, I was like Jeremiah, put a fire in me. So I went by one of my dear friend's house who lived in Lake Charles on my way home from Baton Rouge. I went by Lake Charles on my way back to West Texas to go find some other job. And I, I went to the door and I rang the doorbell and he was one of my heroes. He giant of a man, 350, 60 pounds, big old guy, 6'5". Lord God, people came to the Lord there because they're scared not to come to the Lord, his church. And I came in and I said, I said, Merle, I said, I've been told to go to West Texas, but I'm not a preacher. We're sitting down. He always, he always had something to eat because he ate. And he had a big old fist about the size of a Kentucky ham. And he slammed down on the table. He hit that table as hard as he could. And I thought he was going to break it. He was a powerful man. He said, no, no, no. You're not going to West Texas. You are. You are a called man of God to preach the gospel. And you will preach. And I said, well, can I spend the night here? I have no place to stay. Yeah, you can stay. He didn't, really, he didn't realize that question was coming. I stayed with him three days. Three days. And I never looked back. And I never let anybody tell me I couldn't accomplish and I couldn't achieve. Because you can. You can. You can. You can. Amen. Amen. Because I've discovered... You can count the seeds in an apple, but you can't count the number of apples in a seed. And there's some of you have got some things down here that needs to be birthed. And we're fixing to dedicate kids in this house. And I'm going to bless every one of them with this prayer that every one of these kids are champions. Because God has created champions. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands real big and receive the word today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.